Chapter 2. How to Feel Enough I'm sorry, Lizzie. We're going to have to let you go. Wait, what? I'm getting fired? This is not something that happens to me. I'm the girl that gets straight A's and makes the teacher proud. How can I possibly be getting let go? I had spent the last six months working in a role that was definitely not a good fit. I was hustling and hustling. Instead of feedback, I got, yeah, we're going to give this project to someone else. I desperately wanted to hear, hey, good job on that proposal. Or even, I know you worked really hard, but here's where it needs some work. Instead, each day at work was like hitting a hot nerve of I am not enough. It felt like I was stranded in the desert of not enough, parched and dehydrated and desperately hustling for a drop of validation. Strangely, by slamming the door on my ego, ouch, getting fired actually forced me to look for validation in the one place I hadn't considered, within myself. I was talking to my friend Gina about it, and she said something so wise. She said, Lizzie, we can talk about this specific situation and help you get through it. However, the universe is putting this before you for a reason. If you're constantly looking for your validation and your enoughness outside of yourself, then once you get through this, you'll keep encountering different versions of this same situation. Until you can learn to find your worth and your enoughness within you. That is the lesson the universe is inviting you to take on right now. Do you want to just get over this for now? Or do you want to learn to find your worth within yourself so that you can learn this lesson and move on? Whoa, that comment hit me smack in the face. It's human nature to look for approval and validation outside of ourselves. We learn it when we're young because our survival literally depends on others taking care of us and liking us enough to keep us around. So we learn early on to be on the lookout for clues to tell us if the grown-ups are happy or upset with us. As we grow, we begin to broaden the sphere of people whose opinions we care about. The teacher, our friends, social media, the amorphous they, like what will they think? Remember, your brain's main job is to keep you alive. Your subconscious mind wants to protect you from being ostracized from the tribe because social death meant literal death if the tribe left you behind. Over time, humans developed a particularly effective and loud internal navigation system to stay within the good graces of the tribe. We call it the inner critic. It can be so difficult to love yourself and your body when your innate human need to fit in tells you every day that you don't look like you're supposed to. It's hard to fit in when you're constantly reminded by the media, by mobs' expectations, by your own ideas of how you are not enough. While the inner critic is just trying to keep you safe, it can get a little overzealous sometimes. The problem with self-criticism. I was home for winter break in 1994 when the movie True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jamie Lee Curtis was a hit in the theaters. Even then, I thought this scene was funny. Helen was played by Jamie Lee Curtis and Harry was played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm going to read out the quotes to you. I won't do Arnold's signature voice because I cannot imagine that would be a delightful listening experience. So I'm just going to read it in my normal voice, if that's cool with you. Here we go. Helen, how did it go at the convention? Did you make all the other salesmen jealous? Harry, it was fantastic. You wouldn't believe it. You should have been there. We were the big hit of the show. 
with that new model ordering system, the 680 I told you about, I can write up an order and immediately, as soon as the customer's name comes up, you see what his credit line is, what he ordered in the past, what discount he's gotten, every little detail. Helen seems bored. Sounds great. Harry, it was fantastic. That's why I love the computer business. Helen, listen, the plumber called. He said he has to dig under the slab or something and it's going to cost $600. Harry, clearly not listening. Hmm, that's okay. Helen, stunned. It's not okay. It's extortion. Harry, who's barely paying attention. Hmm, what'd you tell him? Helen, well, I slept with him and he said he'd knock off $100. Harry, who's distracted. Hmm, that's good thinking. And then he air kisses Helen on the cheek. Bye, honey. <laughs> Helen, who speechlessly, belatedly air kisses him back. Wait, what did she say? How did he not react to that? The voice in our head can be a lot like that. It's chatting away in the background when you're focused on other things. It could be saying all sorts of crazy nonsense, and you're barely even registering what it's saying. You're so used to it that you're hardly even aware that it's there. And that's a problem, because a lot of times, it is not very nice. If you don't know what you're saying to yourself, you can't change it. When you look in the mirror, what do you say to yourself? What thoughts go through your head? It doesn't feel very good to have someone constantly pointing out your flaws especially when that someone is always in your head. Diet culture teaches us to avoid mistakes. We are not taught what to do after we make them. We're not taught how to keep going or not quit after we mess up. How does hating yourself help you get any closer to your goal? You can't beat yourself into a better decision tomorrow. It simply doesn't work that way. Losing weight is so much more about what you tell yourself than about what you put in your mouth. The thoughts and feelings we have come with a pharmacy. Positive thoughts and feelings trigger the release of dopamine and serotonin, while stress and negative feelings trigger cortisol, which causes inflammation. Our cells develop more receptors for the chemicals that are more prevalent. So when you get down on yourself or beat yourself up, that triggers cortisol in the body. More cortisol increases inflammation and reduces the body's ability to let go of extra weight. And because of the shame spiral of doom, we know that feeling bad leads to eating junk food to feel better. And making yourself feel bad about your progress with negative self-talk triggers that downward spiral in your brain. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Proverbs 23, 7. What's the one difference between someone who succeeds at long-term weight loss and someone who does not? It's not the number of times they have the setback. And it's not how perfectly they stick to their plan. It is how they talk to themselves. The person who succeeds keeps going, even when they fall off the wagon, even when they screw up their plan. They talk to themselves in a way that allows themselves to pick themselves back up, offer some self-compassion, not shame and guilt, and keep going. Learning to forgive yourself is such an important skill for weight loss. Tell yourself at the end of the day, I love myself. No matter how today went, I'm always learning. I want to be the kind of person that can make mistakes and still love myself anyway. The way you talk to yourself makes a huge difference on how successful you feel. And feeling successful is like miracle grow for new habits. It's the magic sauce that helps you keep going long enough for them to stick. The hardest thing about weight loss is not the things we do. It's the things we think. Learning to direct your thoughts and your brain is the key to weight loss. 
Here's a quote. For some reason, we are truly convinced that if we criticize ourselves, the criticism will lead to change. If we are harsh, we believe we will end up being kind. If we shame ourselves, we believe we will end up loving ourselves. It has never been true. Not for a moment that shame leads to love. Only love leads to love. By Janine Roth. How to change the channel. The good news is that you get to change the channel. Just because you've been thinking a thought your whole life doesn't make it true. The earth used to be flat until it wasn't. The first step to losing weight is being kind to yourself. And the first step to being kind to yourself starts with how you talk to yourself. Changing your self-talk has a multiplier effect because we carry our self-talk with us every second of our lives. Everything you want is on the other side of new actions, and new actions start with new thoughts. When you criticize yourself, your inner voice asks, am I good enough? But when you offer yourself some self-compassion, that opens you up to ask, what's good for me? Self-compassion diffuses the pain of guilt and shame, and it gives you a chance to be human. By being kind to yourself, you give yourself the chance to get up, dust yourself off, learn, and try again. The way to do self-compassion is pretty straightforward. You treat yourself the same way you treat a close friend. So imagine you meet your best friend for coffee, and she confessed how terrible she feels after blowing her diet last night. Would you tell her, oh my god, I can't believe you ate that. You'll never lose weight. Probably not. How might you look at the next slip-up or diet mistake as an opportunity to show yourself some compassion instead of judgment? What about the next time you step on the scale and you don't like what it says? How can you remind yourself that everyone goes through ups and downs like this? You're not alone. You're not broken. Quote, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Proverbs 4.23 There's a popular Native American legend of a grandfather talking to his grandson, describing the conflict he feels within himself. Here's one version of it. The elder was talking to a young warrior one day. We have two wolves inside of us. One wolf fights for your happiness. He fiercely defends what you love and leads you to success. The second wolf fights for your misery. He fiercely defends the things that hurt you and lead to your defeat. The young warrior asks, which wolf wins? And the elder says, the one you feed. You can go to work feeding the wolf that says, losing weight is hard, it never works for me, and I hate exercise too. Or you can get to work nurturing the wolf that looks for some evidence of progress. You can look for little ways that you are taking better care of yourself 1% at a time. You can choose to look for what's right with you when you look in the mirror. Listen, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna have negative thoughts about yourself sometimes. That's okay. Just give the positive thoughts at least the same amount of airtime in your brain to give yourself a chance. Let the love in. By the way, if you want to take this further, there is a special bonus exercise on self-compassion and a whole bunch of other bonuses on my website. Just go to confidentbody.coach slash book. That's www.confidentbody.coach slash book. Okay, back to the book. We are innately wired to want love and acceptance. It's embedded in our DNA as social animals. And yet, when we deny ourselves the same love and acceptance of our bodies, we don't allow ourselves to fully show up in the rest of our lives or in relationships. Loving your body is not a place where you arrive, and it's certainly not a number on the scale. It's a practice. It's a nurturing. 
It's a daily action, moment by moment. It's a choice. Practicing loving your body requires learning to practice self-compassion when you make mistakes and overeat. It requires treating mistakes as an invitation to learn and be curious about your own patterns and your triggers. It requires proactively choosing what to focus on and where to place your worthiness. Cultivating self-acceptance and self-love for sustainable weight loss is not a nice to have or fluffy. It's not optional. It's a must. Chasing the horizon. Jennifer and I were on a coaching call when she said, I saw an old picture of myself yesterday. It was from a trip we took about 10 years ago. And I saw how skinny I was back then. And it made me sad to feel how much weight I've gained. But you know what's crazy? I remember that trip. And I remember feeling like I looked fat in my swimsuit. (laughs) These days, I'd love to have that body back. But even then, I wasn't happy with how I looked. Jennifer's pictures were photographic evidence proving it is not the size of your body that makes you happy. In the book, The Happiness Advantage, Harvard professor Sean Acor talks about when we set goals for ourselves, we often put our happiness out there with a finish line. Like, I'll be happy when I lose weight, or I'll be happy when I get the job. The trouble with that is that when we train our brains to learn that happiness is always out there, it's never here. When we do reach the finish line, it doesn't feel as great as we thought, so we move the target. Quote, Our goalposts of success keep getting pushed farther and farther out, so happiness gets pushed over the horizon. By Sean Acor. Just like Jennifer looking at pictures of herself, feeling happy with your body becomes like chasing the horizon. It's always just a little bit out of reach. Studies show that women have negative thoughts about their body about 60 times a day. Whoa. That's a lot of thoughts that are actively bringing you down. Having a negative body image creates a lot of mental and emotional drag in your life. Imagine what you could do with all that energy you're spending on a negative body image if you could free yourself from those negative thoughts. I've had clients tell me that they feel so much lighter mentally after our work together simply because they're no longer dragging around so much mental baggage beating themselves up all the time. Having a healthy body image is not vain, it's not shallow, It's not no big deal. Having a bad body image keeps you playing small. For example, Denise wanted to apply for a job, but she worried that no one would listen to her because her size meant she had no self-discipline. Having a bad body image holds you back from going for the things that you want. For example, Melanie wanted to start a YouTube channel for her business, but she was afraid of what people would think of her size. Having a bad body image can impact your relationships by preventing you from showing up fully and enjoying everything you can in a partnership with another person. For example, Angie was in a loving relationship, but she held herself back from her partner because she felt puffy. Your desire to lose weight is independent of choosing to love yourself. Anytime you tell yourself, I'll be happy when I lose 15 pounds, That means you're waiting to live your life when you can bring your full light into the world right now. If you ever want to be happy with your weight, you need to practice being happy here, wherever that is, so that your brain doesn't learn to always view happiness as out there. What if instead of telling yourself, I'll be happy when I lose weight, you could tell yourself, I'll be happy while I lose weight. You don't need to achieve your goal to feel worthy. You need to feel worthy in order to achieve your goal. Quote, success is not the key to happiness. 
Happiness is the key to success. Albert Schweitzer. Choose your own adventure. Did you ever read those choose your own adventure books as a kid? I always loved them because I could imagine the story ending in different ways. And of course, I always orchestrated it so it would have a happy ending, but that's beside the point. Let's do a choose your own adventure thought experiment, except we're going to start with an alternate beginning. Want to play? Here we go. Imagine this scene. You're walking down the street on your way to Starbucks. As you walk in, someone's walking out and they hold the door for you. You thank them and walk by. What does this person see when they look at you? Now stop. Rewind the movie in your mind. Go back to when you got up that morning. So we're going to start with alternate beginning A. You woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror. The inner critic voice was running rampant and you see all the things that are wrong with you. Ugh, I can't wear sleeveless shirts because my arms are flabby. My rear end looks huge in these pants. My waistband feels tight. You don't even notice these thoughts are playing in your head as you're going through your day. Yet they come along with you everywhere you go. Later in the day, you're walking into Starbucks and you pass the stranger. What does this person see? Now, let's have alternate beginning B. You woke up this morning and looked in the mirror. Those inner critic thoughts came up, but you decided to proactively manage your brain instead. You know that just because thoughts are there doesn't mean they're true, nor does it mean you have to believe them. In this version of reality, you look in the mirror and think, yeah, okay, these pants don't fit as great as they used to. You know what? I'm going to change into an outfit that I feel great in because I deserve to feel awesome in my clothes. After you change your clothes, you take a moment to intentionally practice appreciating yourself. You know, I really like my hair. It's always been one of my favorite features. And okay, yeah, my thighs might be bigger than I'd like, but I really appreciate my legs because they are my ticket to anywhere I want to go in this world. I appreciate my eyes because I can see well and, you know, there's lots of things worth seeing today. And I'm working hard at taking care of myself every day. I may not be perfect, but I'm worthy. Those are the thoughts that you're proactively practicing in your mind and they get to ride along with you wherever you're going. Later in the day, you walk into Starbucks and you pass a stranger. What does that person see? Spoiler, the stranger sees the exact same person in both cases. You look the same to someone on the street, whether you're telling yourself garbage or you're telling yourself how hot you are. The difference only matters to you. Though one could argue that if you hold yourself a little bit higher when you exude better energy because you're having more positive thoughts. Nevertheless, the power is in how you feel about yourself versus what someone else thinks of you. Our brains want to keep believing what they've always believed because those beliefs kept us alive until this point. I mean, why fix it if it isn't broken? However, while the subconscious mind doesn't see a problem, broken beliefs lead to unfulfilled lives. Here's the thing about beliefs. You don't have to keep on thinking things that don't serve you. You can think whatever you want. If you look the same on the outside to a stranger at Starbucks, or your spouse, or your kids, or your mother, or the moms at preschool drop-off, no matter what your story is going on in your brain, why not go around thinking you're amazing? Your thoughts about yourself don't change how you look on the outside, but they make a huge difference to how you experience the world. If the difference on the outside is minimal, why not choose to feel good? Why not? Now you may say, okay, well, it's a fantasy. I mean, I know I don't actually look good. Telling myself I look good would just be a lie. Okay, really? 
Think about someone you know who's a larger size, but you think she's amazing and beautiful. I bet you can find an example. For me, Oprah comes to mind. Looking good is not about size. Feeling good is definitely not about size. It's about the thoughts you choose. Another thing, you already believe things that are possibly not true. How do you know that you'll be alive tomorrow? Can you prove it? You have no idea if you could die tomorrow, but you choose to believe you'll live because that helps you function. You choose to live with the belief that your life will go on through tomorrow because that belief serves you. You can choose to believe whatever you want and nobody can tell you you can't. Why not choose the thoughts and the beliefs that serve you? And finally, so what if it is fantasy? Your experience of life is your perception of it, not reality. You can believe what you want about yourself and you don't have to justify it. You can choose to think you're amazing or you can choose to think that you have no self-control or it's dangerous to shine too bright or that you're less than. A lot of people choose that. And a lot of them will say, well, I don't want to be delusional about myself. Really? You'd rather just think you're less than all the time? Which thought is more delusional? And by the way, who gets to decide? How is choosing to believe the negative thoughts about yourself still serving you? I'm serious. This is a real question. How is choosing to believe the negative thoughts about yourself still serving you? I ask because your brain is a pretty efficient place. If a thought had no use at all, your brain's not going to keep it around. So there's likely some way that those negative thoughts about yourself do serve you. So for example, do they reinforce your identity or your self-concept? Maybe you've never questioned them before. Is it safer to feel small or unseen? Maybe you're less threatening to others if you don't shine too bright. Are you following some old script that you learned when you were small? Maybe you're afraid you'll appear boastful or prideful to others and thus risk rejection from the tribe. Is it easier to believe the negative thoughts about yourself because if you believed you were capable of more, then you'd have to hold yourself to a higher standard? Give yourself the gift of looking deeper. How do negative thoughts serve you? Question whether or not you want to keep that limiting story. You can't change something if you're not aware of it. It's your job to manage your brain because left to its own devices, your brain will find everything that's wrong with you. That's the brain's default setting. Thank you, evolution. Managing your brain can and should be part of your daily routine. It's like brushing your hair or taking a shower. It's natural for your hair to get messy and for your body to get stinky. So you make a proactive effort to brush your hair and clean your body. Treat your thoughts the same way. Air those suckers out. Let them dry. You get to decide what you're going to think all of the time. You get to choose what thoughts to focus on. Just like it's natural for your pupils to constrict when you walk out into the sun or dilate when you go into the dark, it's completely natural for your inner critic to send up negative thoughts meant to protect you. That's okay. It's completely normal. And just like you can choose to put on your rose-tinted sunglasses in the bright sunlight, you can choose to look for what's right with you rather than what's wrong with you. Knowing that is freedom. So why not stack the deck in your favor? Why not? Quote, To be beautiful means to be yourself. You don't need to be accepted by others. You need to accept yourself. Thich Nahan. Sticks and stones. You've been taking my name in vain. What? I wouldn't, God. 
Niga was praying for guidance. She was more than a little confused to hear this message from God. Nika always spoke of God in a way to praise him. She proactively avoided saying, oh my God, in conversation. She wouldn't even write OMG in a text. God said, my name is I am. Suddenly, Nika was flooded with thoughts of all the times she had used the phrase, I am. I am stupid. I am a failure. I am hopeless. I am fat. I am ugly. I am an idiot. What if the phrase, I am, was holy? What if it were a prayer, honoring what the divine has created in you? How would that change the words you say after, I am? You are a unique and intentional creation. If God were the sun, then you are a ray of light. Sticks and stones can break our bones, but words speak right to the heart. Words matter, especially the ones that follow, I am. I am worthy. I am beautiful. I am beloved. I am enough. Quote, God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3.14. Quote, I am the Lord, that is my name. Isaiah 42.8 Where to find enough? There's a Sioux legend about the creation of the earth and humans. It goes like this. The creator had formed the earth and the animals and was in the process of conceiving mankind. The creator said, I want to hide something from the humans until they are ready for it. And the animals asked, what do you want to hide? The fact that they can create their own reality, the creator replied. Ever helpful, the animals volunteered ideas. Give it to me, the eagle said, and I will hide it on the moon. No, one day they will go there and find it, the creator replied. The salmon suggested she take it and hide it at the bottom of the ocean. The creator smiled and said, no, they will find it there too. I will bury it deep within the great plains, said the mighty buffalo. And the creator replied sadly, No, my friend, they will cut the skin of the earth and see it within. Then a soft voice spoke up. Put it inside their hearts. It was the grandmother mole, who could not see with physical eyes, but sees with spiritual wisdom. The creator could feel the wisdom of grandmother mole's suggestion and said, It is done. We've grown up in a culture that's always hustling. We've been taught to go on this external hunt to look for something outside of ourselves to feel worthy, to feel enough, to feel better. Sometimes losing weight can feel like the doorway to our worthiness. It feels true. But beliefs are just thoughts we've repeated over and over. And thoughts are just sentences in our minds. That doesn't make them true. What if you were taught something that isn't true? What if your worthiness, your enoughness, is already there? It's not outside you or something to strive for. You already have it. You already are it. Your challenge is simply to receive it. Your quest is to accept that you are enough. Your worthiness is like the sun. It always shines. It seems like it comes and goes from our perspective here on earth, but it's always there. You can choose to turn away from it 
or turn towards it and soak it in, but it's always there. You have the power to create your own reality. If you want to lose weight, great, but don't do it to find your worthiness. It's not there. It's inside you. Quote, you will never feel okay by way of external accomplishments. Enough comes from the inside, from seeking what you already have, what you've always had. Ryan Holiday. <laughs>